There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is heavy on men. A man to whom God gives riches, wealth, and honor, so that he lacks nothing for his soul of all that he desires. Yet God gives him no power to eat of it, but an alien or stranger eats it. This is vanity, and it is an evil disease. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not filled with good, and moreover he has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better than he. For it comes in vanity and departs in darkness, and its name is covered with darkness. Moreover, it has not seen the sun nor known it. This has rest rather than the other. Yes, though he lives a thousand years twice told, and yet fails to enjoy good, don't all go to one place? All the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not filled. For what advantage has the wise more than the fool? What has the poor man that knows how to walk before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. This also is vanity and a chasing after wind. Whatever has been, its name was given long ago, and it is known what man is. Neither can he contend with him who is mightier than he, for there are many words that create vanity. What does that profit man? For who knows what is good for man in life, all the days of his vain life which he spends like a shadow? For who can tell a man what will be after him under the sun? Ecclesiastes, all of chapter 6. Welcome back to From Hevel to Eternity, my Bible study podcast. I'm Brian, and today we're covering Ecclesiastes chapter 6. So the chapter covers wealth and prosperity, offspring and inheritance, satisfaction. Spoiler alert, the author of Ecclesiastes comes to the conclusion that if you cannot find satisfaction and joy in the blessings that God has provided you, then no amount of any of the previously mentioned things can fill that void. Phil Riken calls this section as describing the vanity of prosperity. It all comes back to identity, though. It's an identity seeped in God that will find satisfaction in the things that God provides. An identity founded in prosperity, that'll merely seek more prosperity, unsatisfied by the things that you manage to accumulate. The chapter also touches on the sovereignty of God and how that reality clashes with our own perception sometimes that we are the masters of our own universe. I pray that this episode will help us see the futility of desiring riches and the futility of trying to wrestle control away from God. I have seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on mankind. God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor, so that they lack nothing their hearts desire. But God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them, and strangers enjoy them instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, New International Version, translation. So verse 1 starts with the author, who's generally believed to be King Solomon, describing another tragedy or evil that he's seen in the world. 
Most translations say something along the line that this tragedy weighs heavy on humanity. But that phrase could also be translated as the evil being prevalent or common among men. That tragedy is God providing people with wealth, possessions, and honor, and then the recipients not resting in God's provisions, and the people not being able to enjoy the gift that they've been provided. And maybe Solomon is speaking from experience here. Listen to the ESV translation of 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Listen to the dialogue of God to Solomon. God answered Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you, and have not even asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. I will also give you riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the kings had who were before you, and none after you shall have the like. So Solomon desired wisdom and knowledge. God granted him wisdom and knowledge, but he also granted Solomon riches, possessions, and honor, the same things that are described in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 2. Solomon knows firsthand that you can receive those gifts from God and yet not be satisfied or find fulfillment from those things. So this passage is really a continuation of the end of chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 19 says that everyone, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. The end of chapter 5 says that it's good to eat and drink and find enjoyment in the gifts that God provides, including wealth and possessions and honor. But here at the start of chapter 6, Solomon adds, But I have seen an evil that is prevalent among men, and that evil, that tragedy, is that a lot of people will receive those gifts from God, but want more, or not recognize it as a gift. And a lot of those people, they're not going to find joy in the blessings they've received. Those people probably won't even recognize that they were blessings at all. It's an outward fortune, but it's about inward perceptions. Or put another way, it's all about what you are serving, right? Are you serving money or are you serving God? Jesus says you can't serve both. Solomon contends that striving after wealth, serving money, if you will, will prevent a person from enjoying what they have. But finding satisfaction in what God has already provided, in serving God, is the only path to find joy. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he, for it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to one place? Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verses 3 through 6, ESV translation. So you can have all of the material blessings, and all the offspring, and just the greatest heirs ever, and everything else that you might think that you desire, 
but people still can't find joy in their life. They can't enjoy life, and that's the tragedy. Too many people fall into this trap. And in today's world of social media and put your best version of you out for the world to see, we far too easily fall into the comparison trap. Solomon says that a stillborn child is actually better off than someone who can't enjoy what God has blessed them bountifully with. At least the stillborn child finds rest immediately. While the never satisfied, wealth and power idolizing person, they're never going to find rest in this life. Seeking fulfillment by gaining power, by increasing wealth, or by raising successful heirs is vanity, it's futility, it's striving after the wind. By all means, gain respect, increase your bounty, raise your children up to be wise and successful. But that's not the end game. That should not be what drives you. All a man's labor is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage does the wise man have over the fool? What advantage does the poor man have knowing how to walk before the living? What the eye sees is better than what the soul desires. This too is futility and a striving after wind. Ecclesiastes chapter 6 verses 7 through 9, New American Standard Bible Translation. So the grass is always greener on the other side. We've all heard it, and we all know that it's usually not true. But that doesn't stop us from thinking it. It doesn't stop us from pursuing it, from sweating and toiling and missing out on our current life as it passes us by. So we might work and work and work for some potential future gain at the expense of our current joy. Ryrie says that it is better to enjoy present good than to long for future delights. There's a C.S. Lewis quote from the book The Weight of Glory that kind of hits the nail on the head about how we look around for worldly pleasures to satisfy us when true satisfaction is right in front of us for the taking. Lewis says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Like, listen, it's futile to look past what God has done for us through Jesus and all of the blessings that God has presented to us right now in hopes of finding something greater. Like, what the eye sees is better than what the soul desires. Don't work and stress and make your life about the things that you covet. What you've been gifted by God is in front of you right now, and it is there for enjoyment right now. So enjoy it. Whatever exists was given its name long ago, and it is known what mankind is but he is not able to contend with the one stronger than he. For when there are many words, they increase futility. What is the advantage for mankind? For who knows what is good for anyone in life, in the few days of his feudal life that he spends in the sh like a shadow? Who can tell anyone what will happen after him under the sun? Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verses 10-12, through 12, Christian Standard Bible Translation. 
So this section is about God's sovereignty. God is God and he is in control. But we don't always like that. We might not say it that way, but we are always fighting to feel empowered, to feel like we have some control. We are control freaks who don't have control of the wheel at all. But that doesn't stop us from trying to steer, right? We seek out things that we feel we might be able to have control over, like our jobs or our hobbies, or sometimes even friendships or relationships are chosen based off of how we can control the situation. We seek those out in a vain attempt to gain some perceived control. But when we do that, we forfeit the ability to enjoy what God has given us, what God's provided. We forfeit our chance at true joy when we're constantly wrestling against the direction of our lives. The passage illuminates that ultimately man doesn't know what directions might bring and which ones might maximize joy unless we rest in God and we find our joy in Him. Some commentators note that chapter 6 verses 8 through 12 are sort of a summary of the first half of the book so far. They might not be too far off there. Joy comes from pursuing God first and not focusing on an identity shaped by the things of this world. Thanks for listening. The full passage reading at the start of the podcast was from the World English Bible Translation, which is in the public domain. I called out what translations each of the other readings came from because I tried to get a good sample of all the text today. Next episode will be back in Philippians chapter 2. Until next time, though, I love y'all.